Hittite was actually written, just to give you some history, in 1847. And the story goes that a French priest asked a merchant in town to write a poem about the birth of Jesus. Now, the interesting thing about that, uh, the poet's name was Placide. I'm sure I am butchering his name. But he was not actually uh, a diehard Christian. He was known actually to be a pretty wild guy. He was, he was a merchant in town. In fact, he was the commissioner of wines. Um, but the priest asked him to write a poem. So he wrote this poem as a gift to the church. And he loved it so much that he actually asked a friend of his, who was also not a Christian, he was actually Jewish, to put the poem to music. The song became so popular that it was sung all across France. It was sang in Roman Catholic churches, and the people fell in love with this song. And until people figured out who wrote the song and who had done the music. And when they found out, the Catholic Church at the time said, you have to stop singing this song. It's, it's unholy, it's unfit for worship, but it was too late. Uh, the people of France had already fallen in love with this beautiful, beautiful song. Another interesting fact, just some trivia for you who love trivia. Five centuries later, in 1908, a French-Canadian professor by the name of Reginald Bessendon, he was 33 years old, did what many people thought was impossible. He made in his garage like a makeshift generator, and he broadcast the first AM broadcast ever in history on Christmas Eve, 1906. And he opened with Luke chapter 2 on Christmas Eve. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire face of the world. And he read the Christmas story. And then he took his violin. And the first song ever to go out across airwaves was this song, O Holy Night. Let's take a listen, shall we?
cannot hear that song without picturing Carol Smith, my spiritual grandmother, singing that song that takes me back to all those Christmases, all those years. Amazing, but what would be even more amazing is to listen as that holy Lord Jesus is spoken, to hear, to actually hear the angels singing. That scene is depicted under almost every tree, on every mantle, in people's yards, all across this land. But wouldn't it actually be amazing to see the birth of Jesus in that manger? It was a holy, holy night, but it was also a very difficult night. A, a difficult night preceded by many difficult nights. Mary and Joseph scripture tells us, had taken an 80 to 120 mile journey on a donkey because Roman sentries had been ordered. Oftentimes sleeping out under the stars, Mary, while pregnant, can you imagine how exhausted she must have been even before the birth of her son? How do you process having a child of God in a cage? Any baby, how do you how do you handle having your child, the Son of God, being born with animals on his back? I don't know about you ladies, but my wife would have voted no for sure. Mary must have been exhausted. But it was a holy night announced by angels and prophets long, long ago. I want to focus on one phrase in this song us to a biblical truth, and the phrase is this, look in the next line, a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious day. The world oftentimes is still a very, very weary place. It has poverty, starvation, disease, sicknesses, terrors, wars. Politics, you can groan if you want to. We are told that the world itself, and the word of God, the world itself groans under the weight of sin and death. But we have hope. There is still glory ahead. For centuries, the world had hoped that the Messiah would be born. They had hoped he would bring an end to the pain and the suffering and the groaning and the weariness. And that the world would once again break out in splendor and rejoicing. This morning I pray that as we unwrap, as we would sense, even though the world is still weary, a, a thrill of hope, whatever weariness might be bouncing around your soul, that you would sense that thrill of hope that the Savior still brings to us because his mercies are still new every single morning. The Savior has been born, and he is our hope. And in a moment, in just a moment of time, Jesus will still break down that hope for us. I want to start this morning in kind of an odd way, uh, but in the book of Lamentations, the year is 586 B.C. 
Jerusalem has just fallen, and God's people are absolutely crushed. Now, Jerusalem's falling would not have been unlike the devastation that came to our nation when the Twin Towers fell. It would have just been this massive public group outcry and heartache, except it also would have had a profound spiritual dimension to the whole thing as well. Jeremiah was the prophet at the time, and he just cries out to God with the rest of his people. He is hurting, and in the middle of his pain, in the middle of his weary world, we see this glimpse of hope as this song is sung. Lamentations 3, 16-24. He has broken my teeth with rattles. That sounds bad, doesn't it? He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my Bitterness and sorrow. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Sounds like a bad song. Bring it, Lord. Weary me. Yet, this is all from you. And therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah is saying, it's bad. Like, it's real bad. And my soul is downcast. It is weary. It is dark. I love the fact that Jeremiah doesn't actually avoid the darkness, avoid the pain, or try to minimize the fact that he is feeling it. He doesn't ignore it. And I, I like that because you, you can't deal with reality if you're not willing to admit the weariness and the darkness that is all around you or in your soul. But he is also not going to forget the reality of God's presence. He says, I am going to call to mind. Like, I'm going to remember. I'm going to force myself to think about God's faithfulness because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed we have been down we have been oppressed we have been slaves we have been we have been forgiven we have hope because God's compassions never fail and then he kind of breaks into this from this reflection right to a comment about and to God himself he says your faithfulness then he goes on picking up with verse 24. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. How good to take pride in the salvation of the Lord. Jeremiah, I think, has come full circle. He, he started out downcast and depressed in this weary world, his people are all grieving and mourning, and he ends up reflecting 
hope that he has that one day God's salvation will come again. Salvation came to us that holy night. And God is not done bringing his salvation. Hope can bring light into the darkness. Jesus can end and light a torch in our weariness. Just like the angels burst forth in the darkness on that holy night, God can still bring hope to bear in one moment, just a moment in the presence of God of repentance. If you're taking notes this morning, you picked up one of those sermon sheets, I'll share with you three ways I think God can bring us hope. Number one, hope in the Lord will bring us exactly what we need because He is our portion. Jeremiah says this in verse 24. He says, I say to myself, uh, sometimes you have, to, you have to talk to yourself. Uh, it's kind of a God thing. Uh, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait on Him. God always won't bring you the portion you want, but God will always be the portion you need. Let me say that again. That's the key. God won't always bring you the portion you want, but He will always be the portion you need. He, he, he won't always even provide you with the portion when you want it, but He will always be the portion you need. God always needs to act two weeks late and right on time. It's frustrating, I know, but that's just the way God works. You can be impatient, you can fight, you can pray, you can wonder where He is, but when He answers... It's right on time. Two weeks late, but right on time. Even Jeremiah said that he knew he had to wait on God. So God has always been interested in knowing your heart. What exactly does it mean for God to be our portion? Now that sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? Uh, it could mean any a number of things, but most scholars think that what Jeremiah is talking about is the daily provision, the daily portion that God sent the people of Israel in a very dark and weary time when they were wandering in the wilderness. And God provided manna that came from heaven. It was their daily bread, to say it like Jesus said it. And it was a reminder that they needed God every single he was their portion. He was their provision. They just needed to wait and trust that it would come. And God showed up as their portion every single day. Knowing that God provides, gives us hope. That he will never leave us or forsake us. And it applies to every aspect of life. If, if your marriage is struggling, I hope you understand God is your portion. He is exactly what you need. If you care for one another, if God cares for you, He should be true for you. If you forgive one another as God forgives you, it'll be a good thing. You'll be more than just fine today. If you're weak today, God can be your strength and your portion because His Exactly what you need because.
He is our portion every single day. And in him there is zero hopelessness. Number two, the Lord brings hope to those who continue to seek him. Temptation is always to give up, right? When the world seems dark and weary, when things go from bad to worse, when you can't catch a break, when your prayers go unanswered, the temptation is always to give up on God. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him, to the one who seeks. that It's a continual seeking. It's a constant seeking. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. The goodness of God is coming. The goodness of God will come if you continue to seek Him. The problem in every age is that people get tired of waiting for God to show up. And they put their hope and their trust in all the wrong things because God has too much and they have too little. Some people put their hope in the stock market or in jobs or in they want to retire and have a good life. We all know how certain that is, right? Uh, sometimes people get sick. Sometimes jobs end. Sometimes those golden years aren't as golden as you once hoped. Some people put their hope in a job, a job that asks you to do more, pays you less, and appreciates you more. Some people put their hope in their friends. We don't always need friends. We don't always need close friends. And it becomes evident that your hope is in Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. You see, it's, it's easy to profess that faith when things are going good. But when things go bad, author of Hebrews says, Whoa, whoa, don't let go of that now. <laughs> hold on to what you said with your mouth while things were going good. Because God is still your hope. Don't question where the furniture is just because lights go out. It hasn't moved. God's character hasn't changed. Hold on to the hope you profess. Because he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. If you continue to hold on, he will not disappoint you. Don't let go of the hope you too many people, I think, are, are, are letting go of that hope and grabbing on to false hope. It brings fear and disappointment and darkness. But if we hold on to the promise that God keeps forever, we will never let go. For he is greater that is in us than is in the world. And all things work together for good to those who love him. They're his promises and they do not fail. Some kind of either a stockbroker or a financial advisor.
this was way before 2008, and the market took a little dip. And people lost all hope. And when the market bounced back, I remember thinking to myself, you know what? If he would have just done something, it would have been okay. If he just would have sought God, instead of putting his hope in the market, to hope and wait quietly for the Lord's salvation. Uh, these days, we don't like to wait for anything, right? I mean, if a traffic light is too long, it's like, maybe I'll run it. <laughs> fast food isn't fast enough. Uh, if a text doesn't go through on our phone, we're like, ah. But Advent is about waiting. Advent is about the anticipation for the Lord's salvation. Re- remember how excited you used to get when Christmas time started every single year, thinking and dreaming about that morning and what it would be like. And all season long, you could smell your mom and your grandmother making cookies and doing candy and hearing the music in the background. It was glorious, wasn't it? The, the anticipation, it was so exciting. His, reveal, his glory isn't fully revealed. He's not finished yet. He's coming again. And there is still a thrill of hope in every single one of our hearts. Romans 13, 12 says this, and I think it will become a, a new f- favorite for some. Paul writes, and do this. Understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber Because our salvation, here it is, is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the things that hinder us and put on the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Can you sense it? Can you feel it? Do you have the hope that the night is nearly over? The day is almost here. And you are nearer to your salvation now than when you first believed. For some of you, this salvation is the salvation of your life. And for others, it is the salvation out of the current darkness. 
Jesus. And whatever it is you're experiencing right now, but the day is coming and the night is almost over. The Son of God is risen, and because he was born, this weary, weary world still has a little hope. So yonder lurks a new world. Father, I pray that in your presence right now, that you would send your spirit bringing This song, this holy night would remind us that you are our portion, that this darkness will break forth into a new and glorious morning, that our hope, God, is you and you alone. As we're praying this morning, I know there are people here that in the midst of all the joy and the buzz of shopping, you are going through a time of darkness you love us and that you care about us and God that we're not alone that you're there that you will never leave us or forsake us and as we continue to pray I, I know that there are some people here that that darkness in your heart is because you have never invited the light of that is in your soul that you've been trying to fill and figure out and could be met in here this morning, this morning. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, do you sense that now is the time for you to invite the light of the Lord into your heart to be your hope and your salvation, to be your hope? God's